I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there is a bomb! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon, You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Good Tuesday evening, everyone. My name is Matt O'Hayan on the Sick Podcast with you. Uh, Tony, as you know, is out in Portugal, I believe. Uh, he's watching his son play soccer. So he said, hey, I just want to do three nights a week uh, this week. No problem, Tone. I got your back. You've had me, you've had my back millions of times before. And you're going to have it again later in September. But you don't know it yet. And you're only going to know it if you're watching right now. Anyways, the Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. They've been named by Deloitte and CIBC as one of Canada's best managed companies, the country's leading business award recognizing innovative and world-class companies. The best managed Canadian companies designation fuels energy's purpose of creating progress for our customers, our employees, and our communities. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Also brought to you by Playground. Don't miss Playground's August Million Poker Series from August 23rd to September 4th with $1 million in guaranteed prize pools, seven championship ring events, and a $600,000 guaranteed main event. Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal, 
playground. And by La Beta TV, brewed in Quebec, and a winner of a dozen international awards, La Beta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Beta TV, embrace your true nature. And of course, finally, by Murphy Clinic, who are an aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care. They offer permanent laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne, rosacea, fine lines, and more. They currently have two clinics, one located in Montreal Shop Angus and the second one on the North Shore in Terrebonne. They're also opening soon in Quebec City. Visit murphyclinic.ca or on Instagram at murphyclinic. All right, so uh, as you know, uh, or as you may not know, uh, Tony had a very special guest last night on his episode of the Sick Podcast. Uh, he had Dominic Ducharme recently hired, well, recently, last month, hired by the Vegas Golden Knights as an assistant coach. So uh, lots of interesting tidbits in there. Um, who better to uh, talk about some of these things and more than the Montreal Gazette's Stu Cowan. Stu. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Matt? I'm doing fine. It's weird. I've, I almost said, because, you know, you're my guest. It's Tuesday night. I, I almost said good Friday evening, everyone. It's weird. I mean, it's a weird zone, but uh, glad to have you on Tuesday evening. Um, so did you catch any of the episode? I did. I did. I watched the whole thing. It was uh, it was a good interview by Tony. Kudos to him for getting uh, Dominic Ducharme on. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of interesting stuff there. I'm happy for Dominic Ducharme. Um, you know, my dealings with him when he was head coach of the Canadians, he was a good guy to deal with. He was a friendly guy with the media. He was fine. You know, things didn't work out for him with the Canadians. Um, I think he's in a better role now as an assistant coach. Um, I think his personality, while he had a lot of success as a junior head coach, obviously winning uh, uh, you know, Memorial Cup, winning Quebec Junior Championship, the success he had at the World Juniors. Um, in the NHL, I just think his personality is probably better suited as an assistant coach. Uh, Pierre Gervais book that he wrote, the former equipment manager saying, you know, it wasn't like Ducharme lost the room with the Canadians. He said he never had the room. It's just his personality. I don't think carried over to the NHL as far as getting guys being able to sell what he was trying to sell and getting guys to fully buy in. It just didn't work out. Uh, maybe it'll work out if it becomes a head coach somewhere else down the line uh, with what he would have learned here. Uh, but from a personal standpoint, I'm happy to see him land on his feet. He's obviously a good coach. You don't get to coach the World Ju Canadian World Junior Team unless you know your stuff, and I, there's no doubt he knows his X's and O's. I think part of his problem, or a big part of his problem, led to his downfall was just the ability to communicate with players, and maybe his inability to listen to them and take feedback from the players and maybe adjust things to the system when things weren't working and the players were telling him it wasn't working, maybe a little bit too stubborn, a little bit too set in his ways, uh, maybe a little bit of that uh, sort of smartest guy in the room syndrome that, you know, I know more than you guys do. Uh, but, you know, life you live and learn. So I'm sure he learned lessons. He talked about that with Tony, uh, things that he said he would have done different, things that he's learned that he'll move forward. Uh, but I'm not surprised to see him, end up back in the NHL with an assistant coaching job in Vegas. And I'm happy for the man. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm very happy for him. Uh, Cause you know, it's, he was kind of put in a bad position, um, you know, by the, by Mark Bergevin, by the mm -hmm. team, you know, but you know what the, what the main thing that you said that we're, we're totally on the same page is he wasn't able to communicate well with his players. And, you know, while, I didn't, I never, you know, asked him a question or interviewed him. Plus it was COVID. So it was even mm -hmm. distance. But the one thing that always came across was even with the media, as nice as he could have been, 
he it's it just came off like he had a hard time communicating. Um, there was a language barrier, but just based off that interview yesterday, that was the biggest thing I took away. Is this guy improved his communication skills like tenfold, and that's going to help him dramatically. Well, he wasn't as comfortable in like Marty St. Louis from day one as head coach was so comfortable dealing with the media in front of the television cameras and front of the notepads, everything. He just he has a comfort level, he has a confidence in himself that you know Dominic Trump's confident in himself, but it doesn't come off the way it does with Marty. And you know, the players and management talked about when Marty St. Louis was named the, the speech he gave in the locker room the day he was named coach, the players were like, wow. Like they they bought in right away. It obviously helps when you're a Hall of Fame player. You come into the room, you have instant credibility. But you know, when the Canadians hired Dominic Ducharme, and I wrote a column the day he was hired, they hired him to be the next head coach. They knew one day Claude Julien yep. was going to get fired. They figured they know they knew Jeff Molson's made it very clear the head coach has to be bilingual. They knew, you know, when they fired Michel Terrien, it's sort of a domino effect. Claude Julien got fired by the Bruins. Things weren't going great with the Canadians. Claude Julien was the best bilingual head coach out there available. If we're going to make a move, now's the time. He's available, and everything sort of fell together. And I don't think they wanted to get back in that position again. So they wanted to have a bilingual, qualified bilingual, potential head coach in the system, ready to go uh, when that time would come when Claude Julien would be fired because all coaches are fired. And they ended up, you know, they had, Claude, they had uh, Dominic Ducharme. And they had Joel Bouchard. They brought both of those guys in as uh, 1A and 1B as a possible role placements for Claude Julien. But again, I just think, you know, Ducharme had been around the team, but his personality, um, you know, he was much more comfortable with Tony in the interview he did last mm-hmm. night, uh, sort of like two buddies talking. Um, while he was good with the media and answered questions and was polite and, and, and respectful and everything else, he just didn't have that comfort level. And he didn't have that, that you know, Marty Sandler walks into a room, he can own a room. And Donald Trump didn't have that. His personality just doesn't have that. And he's also, he wasn't a Hall of Fame hockey player. That helps right away when you walk into any mm-hmm. room. You know, Marty St. Louis, his credentials as a player speak for themselves. But um, the players didn't buy in 100% uh, with Donald Ducharme. <coughs> Excuse me. And they have bought in 100% with Marty St. Louis right from day one. And it's also different systems. I mean, you look at, you know, Tony asked him about uh, Cole Caulfield and night and day the player Cole Caulfield was under Dominic Ducharme and the player that he was under Marty St. Louis. And Dominic made some good points. You know, uh, uh, Cole did injure his shoulder in uh, the red-white game when he slipped in the warm-up. Uh, there was COVID. Cole was sent home for COVID. There was a whole lot of things with, with Dominic Ducharme. At the end of the day, he did get his team to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, there was a lot of things involved with that. So with COVID, they shouldn't have even made the playoffs that year, the way the schedule went and everything else. But um, – Again, it, it, things didn't work out for him here in Montreal, um, but I think he's in a really good position to succeed now with you know, defending Stanley Cup champions. And they obviously think that he can bring something to help that organization that was the best team in the I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. League last year. You know, there's um there's a couple things there. And you know, I said it earlier, and I, I listen, I'm not the I'm not one to make excuses for coaches, for team. I'm not gonna work for a team, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter. Um, I'm not one to make excuses, but like I did say, he wasn't exactly put in the best position to succeed. And you know, that was that's pretty much highlighted. I forget if it was I, I'm pretty sure he said it on Tony's podcast if he did have him, but he said it in the media for sure. Um, was Jeff Molson. He said, like, yeah, you know, after the Stanley Cup final, we kind of knew that there was, that this was a problem team. Like this was a flawed team, I think was the phrase mm-hmm. used. And they never really did anything to address that. So you have a flawed team already and you can't take anything away from the Habs because like you said, they made the Stanley Cup final. You can make the argument that they probably wouldn't have made the playoffs had, had it been a normal circumstance, mm-hmm. but they did and they made the final and he brought them there. So those are the facts. It's, it was a flawed team, and they didn't really do anything to address that. And then, you know, he's kind of the fall guy because, you know, the, the, the fan base kind of, yeah, they made the finals. But during that season, I mean, I remember being mm-hmm. frustrated watching the Canadians. They went through a crazy stretch of games with, with zero success up until Julien got fired. And they didn't really even seem to have that spark of you know when you get a new coach they didn't have that in the regular season so it was interesting um i I, I, they didn't it was a flawed team then they also lost carrie price and shea weber which Mm -hmm. played a big role rolled into that also for the next season and also you know you can't really replace those guys but Mm -hmm. it's almost like they didn't they didn't even make an effort you know, you brought in David Savard. All due respect to David Savard, yeah. he's not a future Hall of Famer like uh, like Shea Weber is. Yeah. So those those are just like mitigating factors that I feel like he. I don't want to say he wasn't given a fair shake, but he was never even given a real full season. No, and even even the way they hired him. I mean, I remember before they fired Julian, they had a break in the schedule. I can't remember who was Austin, whatever. And they had a break, and you figured that was the time to make a coaching change, and they didn't make it then. And then when they yeah. did make it, I mean, Donald Trump talked about how he parked his car at the Bell Center, got on a plane as the assistant coach of the Canadians. And when he came back like a week later, he was the head coach. He didn't even have like a full practice as head coach when they right. when they hired him. So it, they put him into a tough situation uh, right off the bat. And, you know, the system he played, I mean, Jeff Petrie and, and Tony asked uh, Dominic about that also. Jeff Petrie was sort of a vocal critic of it, but he was speaking – a lot of people put heat on Jeff Petrie for it, but he was speaking for the locker room. He was, you know, don't they also this team didn't have a captain. You have to remember that when Shea Weber left, they didn't name a captain. So there was no voice in the team. And Jeff Petrie took it upon himself to be that voice. And some people have criticized him for it. But the room, obviously, the players weren't happy with the system they were playing. They didn't think it worked. They thought it needed changes. Ducharme wasn't making the changes they thought were necessary to make it work. And Petrie became the sort of the the 
the, the voice from the locker room for it. And if you've been around Jeff Petra, I was around him quite a lot when he's at the Canadians. That's not really his personality. He's sort of a quiet, more of a laid back guy, but somebody had to speak up. And Jeff Petrie took it upon himself to be that guy as one of the assistant captains without a captain in the room. And I think that was another huge mistake Mark Bergevin made that didn't help uh, Dominic Ducharme as a head coach is that shadow of Shea Weber was still hanging. They, they knew he wasn't going to play again. And I don't understand why they didn't name a captain uh, at that point. Um, even if it was a, a temporary captain, this guy's going to be our captain for this season. And then we're going to readdress it. It just seemed to be, they went into that season, you know, they lost two of their key players. They didn't have a leader or their two key players. They didn't have the one leader in the room who was in charge. And I think a lot of guys were looking at each other. Should you speak up? Should I speak up? And it was just, uh, it just became a mess. And, you know, we remember that game against the US New Jersey when uh, Montembeau got ran behind the net. Nobody mm-hmm. did anything players like they had given up they didn't care and, and i remember josh anderson uh was after dominic trump's last game he said it's not fun coming to the rink anymore we're not enjoying it's not fun and and if guys aren't having fun coming to the rink they're not going to perform it's like if you're not having any kind of fun going to your job you're not going to perform to yeah. to the top of your level and i think that might have been the last nail in the coffin for dominic Ducharme as a head coach is like look these guys are starting this is a young team we need to rebuild these guys aren't having any fun they're not enjoying showing up at the rink uh and now you look at last year the guys really, they had fun showing up at the rink. They played that way. They they, they, they played as a group of brothers. Uh, they battled for each other. They didn't have the talent to win a lot of games, but they won a lot of games they shouldn't have won. And they didn't give up in games that they should have got clobbered, whereas under Ducharme, at least at the end, they were getting clobbered at times. And the other thing with Ducharme too, Corey Perry played a huge role in that locker room as a leader. They also lost mm-hmm. him. So you lose Carey Place, you lose Shea Weber, you lose Corey Perry. That's three really big pieces to that team. Uh, that certainly didn't help Dominic Ducharme. But again, a lot of it, it comes on him himself too, because all the system, the players didn't like the system. It wasn't working and his unwillingness to, to adjust and change uh, led to his downfall. You know, that's, that's one thing that, and I'm happy you said that because like, I, I don't want it to sound like we're absolving him of, oh, you know, no. that season, you know, because that's not what we're doing here. Oh. Um, you know, one thing I will say is that I, I didn't love, what he said about when Tony asked him about Cole Caulfield, I I didn't love it. And the reason is because it's like he scored one goal in 30 games or something like that. And then it was, it it was almost instant. You saw the change in, in Cole Caulfield. So it's like, so it's like, you see, there's a, there's kind of a disconnect there for me because it's clearly there was something, I don't know what the reason was for it. Maybe he think he thought he wasn't ready when he clearly was, and that's an issue on its own. Or or maybe he just he knew he was under the gun and he needed he wanted to trust his veterans. That uh, plus I think it was just the system he was playing. I think Cole was probably more focused on the system and where I have to be and defense and as opposed to just playing. And, you know, from my saying, it's a little easier for him, too. It has been easier because he came in. We're rebuilding. We don't expect to make the playoffs. It's easier to say, just let the kids play, right? Let Cole Caulfield go out do your thing. Go score goals. Don't worry about the mistakes you're going to make. It's a good way to develop players. It's easier to do that when management isn't their goal. They don't, they're not expecting you to make the playoffs. They're not expecting you to go to the Stanley Cup final. When management is expecting you to do that, it's different. And that, that was the situation that Ducharme was under. And it's sort of, you know, Alex Newhook coming to the Canadians now talking about how in Colorado, he didn't get much of an opportunity because he was one of the younger guys and he was on, you know, not getting top six minutes. And if you made a mistake, so it's a different team with a different goal. 
So for Marty, it's been Marty's had the advantage of the new management team coming in and saying we're rebuilding and allowing him to have more of a free flowing system and allowing guys to make mistakes. Whereas Ducharme wasn't so much in that position where he could allow Cole Caulfield to make mistakes. So when Marty St. Louis came in and basically told Cole Caulfield, just go play, score goals, go have fun, mm-hmm. score goals. We'll, we'll correct stuff as we have to correct it. That lit the spark under him. But Ducharme was never really in that position where he could do that in a lot of ways. He couldn't just let him set him free because he was expecting to win games and he was, you know, they went to the Stanley Cup final and, and you know, Cole was a rookie and you don't really, you know, you, you don't have that faith in him as you do in the veteran guys. And that's most coaches in the NHL are like that, especially when you get to, to the Stanley Cup final, they trust in their veterans. But um, there's no doubt that Ducharme's the system Ducharme played and the style of hockey he wanted to play handcuffed a player like Cole Caulfield. And then when Marty St. Louis came in and took the rain, the, the, the handcuffs off him, <coughs> excuse me, the, the results were instantaneous. I mean, he instantly became a different hockey player. And it goes back to what Josh Anderson was saying. Also, he was having fun. He was having fun. Coming he was having fun scoring goals. Cole Caulfield. One of the real good quotes I like from Marty St. Louis on many smart things. He said, he says, I can't teach Cole Caulfield how to score goals. He's a natural goal scorer, but I can teach him how to get into positions where he can mm-hmm. score more goals. And that's what Marty's uh, whole system is about is getting guys into positions where they, they're able to uh, perform at their peak. You know, that, and again, that's a, just another interesting point is that, you know, he was so, I, it's interesting because we say that Cole Caulfield, it's, it's probably because he was so focused on the system and he was so focused on playing defense. And afraid when, to make a mistake. And the thing is, is Ducharme, by all accounts, was, I don't know what he was in charge of with the Canadians, but he was known as an offensive coach. So like, that's the interesting part. So maybe he was overcompensating for the fact that, okay, when I was assistant coach, I was in charge of offense. These guys know what they're doing. Now I got to really hammer home the message of playing defense kind of thing. Um, Maybe that, maybe that was the case. Uh, I don't know, but he was hired to, uh, and he said it on Tony's podcast yesterday. He's hired to uh, work with the forward group. And I I think he's going to do a great job. I don't know what, he has in mind obviously he's not going to show his cards in there but uh i think he's going to do a fantastic job there because they got all the talent in the world um and they can play well they did play that's how they won the cup that that tough style of hockey that that old school fourth line energy line and then the rest of the lineup get out there and score some goals like I think that'll suit him really, really well. And I, and I think he's going to do great there. Well, as you mentioned, known as offensive coach, it helps when you coach a Halifax junior team that won the Memorial Cup that had Nathan McKinnon and Jonathan Drouin when Jonathan Drouin was an offensive mm-hmm. star. helps you become more of an offensive coach. You sort of – coaches uh, – you know, Red Fisher used to always have a, a great line when teams are struggling. You'd say, show me the players. You know, the coach, mm. the coach is only as good as the players that he has. And, and Dominic Ducharme, especially after losing, as I mentioned before, you know, Price and Weber and, and Corey Perry, didn't he didn't have a whole bunch to work with. Um, whereas now, moving forward, Marty St. Louis, with all these young guys coming up, uh, all these young prospects, he's going to have a lot to work with over the next few years. And, you know, it'll be the pressure on Marty is going to get a little bit more this season and the next season after as far as, okay, now when you start winning, we've loved this, all these young kids coming and playing and having fun and Cole Caulfield scoring goals. We need to start winning some games here too and get into the playoffs. So that pressure will build for Marty uh, as things go along and his willingness to allow guys to make mistakes and, and live and learn from them uh, will get smaller. 
You know, that's always what I that that's always what I say is once that pressure starts to build, it's going to be really, really interesting to see uh, how well this instead of system concept, you know, adapts mm. and, and how that's going to adapt into when, OK, uh, it's no more pat on the back. Hey, let me show you this in the video room. Just don't do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you really got to start cracking down on players because uh, he could. He only really did that once, maybe twice last yeah. season, as far as I could remember, and that was effort based. Um, yeah. But now, Marty, now we're going to see we're going to see execution based sooner or later. Marty will Marty will be able to do that, I'm sure. You got to remember this guy played for John Tortorella, and he loved John Tortorella. Yeah. John Tortorella yeah. was one of his friends. He loved playing for John Tortorella. It'd be, John Tortorella, you work hard, you play hard, uh, you don't have a problem. Josh Anderson said the same thing who also played for Totorella. So he's played with tough coaches, Marty St. Louis. He knows what it's like for a coach to get tough, but he also knows what it's like to be a young kid trying to get your feet in the NHL. And one of the things Marty said, and he's right, so I can relate to every player in the NHL. You know, I've been undrafted. I've been placed on waivers and not claimed on waivers. I've been a fourth liner, a third liner, a second liner, a first liner, an all-star, the league MVP. He can relate to everything that every player, the position they're in. And I think that's one of the, real strong points for him as a coach, especially in today's NHL or any pro sports where so much about it is just communication and motivation. And I asked Marty last year, where do you put communication on your list of most important things as a coach? And he said, number one, and it really is in today's NHL. And he has that ability to communicate and he has that ability. He, I'm sure he has that ability as things go on, he will be able to be um, a, a more tougher on the guys and harder on the guys and less forgiving of their mistakes. But the good thing is they've got this whole group of guys, all 21, 22, 23, 24, all in the same age group, all coming up together with this coach who's, and they're all going to grow up together, including Marty as a coach. They're all growing up together and they're going to realize, okay, well, you know, when he does start being hard on them, they're going to remember like, yeah, he was good to me when I was young. And he, you're, so you're going to want to, uh, to, to listen to this guy and do what he's telling you to do. And we've already seen that. Uh, it goes back again to the credibility factor. He has the credibility uh, that Ducharme just never seemed to have. As you know, it was said in the book, it was like he, he didn't lose the room because he never had the room. And I still that run to the Stanley Cup final. And I think we've discussed this before when uh, Ducharme had COVID and Luke Richardson came in and the Canes were on a bit of a roll there. And uh, it was Ben Sherratt who said, uh, we'd all skate through a wall for Luke Richardson. I remember when he said that, I was like, that was, you know, I was talking about Jeff Petrie being the spokesman for the room. That was sort of, you know, nobody said that about Dominic Ducharme, that this, mm-hmm. everybody in the team would skate through the wall for him, but everybody would for Luke Richardson. And now we see Luke Richardson in Chicago with the young team. Uh, it's been interesting to see how they build going forward. They're, they're both, Luke Richardson and Marty Simulli were both, uh, uh, when Ken Hughes took over and Jeff Gordon, they said they wanted the modern day coach. And we're also like, well, what's a modern day coach? Well, Marty St. Louis is a modern day coach. Luke Richardson's a modern day coach. These are the guys in today's NHL, uh, the Mike Keenans of the world, uh, even the John Tortorellas of the world. It's tough in today's NHL with these younger kids to to be that way and get them to listen and perform for you. They're more likely to just tune you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, the, to bring it back to uh, Dominic Ducharme, I, I think he can become that modern day coach. I don't think he was ready. I think mm-hmm. the process was expedited way too fast. Uh, well, because of what was going on with uh, Claude Julien, they had to make a move. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with all the restrictions and whatnot, you know, if and especially if you hired him to be your next coach. Yeah. And they did. It's, they, they just sped up the process, you know, and it, 
how many times have the Canadians rushed a prospect through the rankings? Well, they rushed a coach through the rankings and, yeah. uh, and being head coach so, of the Canadians. I mean, the pressure that you can't, it's unimaginable the pressure that comes of being head coach GM of the Canadians. You know, if he was, if Don Duchamp's next job was head coach in Vegas or Carolina or somewhere like that, mm -hmm. the pressure is not the same. I mean, the internal pressure is still there from management for you to perform, but you're not, you know, you're not doing, uh, three news conferences a day in two languages and uh, all, all the media obligations. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if you're head coach in Las Vegas, you can walk down the street and not be recognized most of the time. Uh, it's a different world. So he's experienced the, the most pressure you're ever going to face as an NHL head coach, including being in the Stanley Cup final to whatever or wherever, if he does become a head coach in the NHL again, uh, the pressure will not be as immense. And he's going to learn as an assistant coach now in Vegas under a different coaching system, a different management team, a different environment. I sort of chuckled when he told Tony, you know, I'm, I won't miss shoveling snow in the winter. You know, living out there in Vegas is pretty sweet. Um, but again, for Don with the charm, I mean, he's a good, as I said, you don't become head coach of the Canadian national junior team if you're not a good hockey coach and you don't know your stuff. But coaching in the NHL at the pro level is about so much more than that it's about motivating and getting guys uh to buy in uh you know i just watched recently the netflix series on the florida gators and mm. uh i'm trying to remember the name of the head coach there uh, urban meyer urban meyer thank you yeah. and the stuff he would do to these guys uh in training camp and that with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com um, then he went to the nfl it didn't work right in, in junior yep. or, in, or in university football Guys will do anything you tell them to do because you hold their future in their hands. If you want to go play pro hockey, this coach holds your future in your hands. You get to the pro ranks, it's a different story. Urban Meyer, you got to the pro ranks of Jacksonville, I believe it was, and yep. pulled the hard ass, hard ass act, and the players just tuned them out and said, uh, I got a three-year contract here. I'm going to be here longer than you. And it doesn't yeah, work. Exactly. It doesn't work. So that's that's sort of the thing is, is so much about today – in all pro sports, coaching is communicating and motivating players. And now Marty St. Louis is much better at that. And it just comes nat more naturally to Marty St. Louis. You know, you walk into a room as a Hall of Fame hockey player, you have a little bit more confidence in what you're saying. Uh, and also Marty St. Louis has a ton of money in the bank already. Yeah. Yep. You know, it doesn't work out and he gets fired. He can go back and his house, nice house in Connecticut and play golf and spend time with his kids or get a job somewhere else. So it's, it's not – not the same amount of pressure on him as there was on, on Dominic Ducharme. And from a financial standpoint, uh, the Canadians paid him well. He was three years at $1.7 yep. if I remember his contract was. So he's he got money, but um, it, it's, you know, that might even add to a bit more of his confidence moving forward too. He's not, it's, when he first came in here, he come from coaching junior hockey, coaching the Canadians. Uh, it was a financial aspect to that too. So, you know, Dominic Ducharme, again, just to go back, I mean, I, I got along with him well when he was head coach. Um, I think just what everybody in the media did, uh, including Tony, obviously. And uh, I'm happy to see him get another chance. And uh, as I said, I just think he's much better suited as an assistant coach in the NHL than a head coach, at least for now. And, you know, the last thing, the last thing before I let you go is just another thing that came across to me was 
when he was talking about how during his time off, he was watching two hockey games a night. He was weighing his options of maybe going to the AHL, maybe going to Europe. This guy, like, I, I know we say that we, we have this thing where we say everyone in the NHL loves hockey. That's not true. We've seen many instances where someone just happens to be very good at hockey and said, I can make it. Alexander Day. <laughs> well, there you go. And, uh, you know, by all, uh, by all accounts, I had a player in my head. I had a player in my head. Hold on. Nathan Bolia. He was really good at hockey. He didn't never really wanted to put in the work. Um, so he clearly loves hockey. Like yeah. he, when he got fired said, no, I'm not done. I want to get back into this. I need to, I need to do what I need to do to get there. And uh, I, I, I tip my cap to that because that's uh, that it's, it's very easy to say, you know, maybe uh, I got my money. I got my 1.7 uh, Ameri- million American dollars mm-hmm. converted into Canadian. Yeah. Let me go screw off somewhere and I'll play golf the rest of my life. No, he, he likes it. He's a hockey junkie. I mean, and most of these coaches are. And, and you know, he talked about it with Tony coaching the world junior team. His year would start in July with the summer camp for the world juniors. At Christmas, he didn't get a break. At Christmas, he was at the World Juniors. Then the season, it was a long, long season. It was the same when he was with the Canadians because of the COVID and that. So these they're hockey junkies, these guys. They, they eat, live, and sleep hockey. And uh, uh, the coaches, and again, as I've said several times already, you don't become head coach of the Canadian National Junior Team unless you are 100% focused on hockey and you're consumed by it. And Dominic Ducharme is obviously con- consumed by hockey. It's his passion. He loves it. Um, he knows the game. He knows his X's and O's. Uh, and again, I just think it's the communication and the willingness to listen to your players more. And maybe the reason he he he, he was stubborn with what he wanted to do is he he thought that was the way maybe to keep the room. Like I can't just let the the players take over and have them running things. Um, and I think he was maybe fighting that a little bit too. Uh, you go back to Jean Perron was a similar situation when they won the cup in 86. There was a bunch of veterans in the room that were more or less running and coaching the team more so than he was. And I think it was a similar situation with him. Uh, and he just wasn't able, he, he wasn't able to um, be the voice in the room. Like Marty St. Louis is the voice in the room. Nick Suzuki's the captain. He's the voice of the players. But when Marty comes in and he speaks, everybody listens, everybody pays attention. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the thing that uh, Dominic Ducharme was really missing. And I said that line that he, he didn't lose the room because he never had it. I think it's uh, that speaks volumes about his tenure as head coach of the Canadians. Stu, thank you very much for joining me uh, on this Tuesday. I was going to say, no, like, have a great weekend. <laughs> I'm so ready to say have a great weekend. Oh, my God. Have a great rest of your week and uh, enjoy the weekend that's coming ahead. All right, Long weekend. You too. Have a good one. All right, it's time for Six Sports Cards. Six Sports Cards. <laughs> Presented by Sports La Tornade. All right, uh, Shane, producer Shane, you're going to have to put the graphic up so I could read it because I don't have it in the, the chat, unfortunately. Um there you go. Six Sports Cards is presented to you by Sports La Tornade, Sports Cards, Collectibles, and more. Visit the store at 1 Avenue de la Fabrique in Vaudreuil, Dorian. Uh, I'm not going to read the postal code. Um, so, Tornado Chris, it's been a couple weeks. Um, got some questions on my mind. You want to talk to us, first of all, though, about license agreements in cards. 
Yeah, I feel like it's just a good time to talk about that now. Um, I will segue into something that's been in the news for weeks now, and it's a it's a big hot topic. So I think we need to discuss that. So uh, just you know, some people always ask me uh, what you know why why is who who makes this card and why. Um, so not every sport has the same license agreement when it comes to uh, sports cards. So if you go to the NHL, um, the NHL boxes, you're dealing with upper deck. Everyone knows about upper deck because the license agreement with the NHLPA and upper deck, that is the number one. There's also a leaf who makes hockey cards, but they don't have the license. So there's, there's certain rules that they have to follow and there's certain things that they can't do because they're not, exclusive agreement mm -hmm. um so do, do, let me let me let me ask you this is yeah. that why um you know certain brands of cards are more expensive than others that's got to be the reason obviously right yeah so each 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 um company has their uh subcategories or brands so with Upper Deck, you know, we talked about the cup being the highest one, mm -hmm. and then you have Black Diamond, and and you have uh, you have Trilogy and SP Authentic. Those are all lines within Upper Deck. But then you have products like Leaf that don't have the license agreement. They make cards, and they they make really nice cards, but there's certain things they can't do, which turns people off a little bit. Like the biggest example I can give you is. Um, they cannot have logos or like the team logos on the players' uh, jerseys. So you'll get, hmm. you know, and it's the same thing for all sports. If you don't have the agreement with the uh, with the players' association, they can't put the logos of the team on the chest or on the helmet of the players. So that's that's one thing where people are kind of like, well. It's not like it's not the real jersey. It's not the real thing. It's it's you know, and and also when it comes down to making a card with patch jersey uh, mm. autographs, you can't get certain autographs. Certain players sign with with the exclusivity. Um, so that's basically how it works on the market. So yeah, um, you're you're safer, a little bit better off to go with uh, the the number one which in hockey would be upper deck. So just to give a frame of reference, I guess, and if you don't know, you don't, you don't need an answer. I don't want, cause I don't mean to put you on the spot, but like, let's say I got a leaf Connor McDavid rookie card. Right. And I have a upper deck, whatever, whatever series, we'll say black diamond, yep. uh, upper deck, uh, Connor McDavid rookie card. What's a, price difference there like uh so if you if you went equal equal set like what you paid for your box you know what i'm gonna take a guess because i don't know the real answer that no right. one really knows because the prices uh the prices change uh quite frequently but um i'm gonna say like especially with Connor mcdavid you're probably looking at three four times the price uh with an upper deck card versus a leaf mm -hmm. okay and, there you go and, and then if you want to sell, if you want to sell your, your, the market is much wider to sell it mm -hmm. after because we sell every day. And I know that if I put a leaf card out there, 
you have to really grind to find that buyer. And once you find them, keep them because there's not as many as say upper deck. So let's, uh, let's move on to the next topic. It's coming around the corner. I'm excited. You know what? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You're excited for football. Uh, no, yeah. we, we need to bring this license agreement forward to the, to the, to the hot topic. So for baseball, um, we have top, we have tops who, uh, Yep. Has has now has now been sold to Fanatics, so now Fanatics has really been uh, big into baseball already. They're already getting involved. They've brought a whole new aspect to trading cards. Um, I've listened to a lot of their shows, a lot of their uh, new like thoughts on the game. They want a 10x, 10x everything in the next five years. So. I don't know if you've watched a baseball game lately or any kind of MLB network, but you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of fanatic stuff. Um, they were at the All Star game, guys opening packs on the on the on the bench during the game, interviewing with fanatics. They started putting patches on on the guys' jerseys this year. Um, all the rookies had a uh, NHL debut uh, logo put on their uh, on their jersey. All those logos are going into cards, and those are one-of-one one cards, one-of-one one rookie cards, um, things like that. So their Fanatics is like they're trying to bring more fans. That's where they want to target is to go get more fans and bring more fans into collectibles, and that's how they're doing it. So that's in baseball. Um, you're going to hear Fanatics. Um as far as basketball and, and uh, football goes, uh, I'm going to put those in the same basket because every for the last, I don't know how many years, we've it's always been Panini. Panini has been the football and basketball go-to license agreement. They still have uh, a three-year contract with the NFLPA. This is where the news has broke. The, it has gone... Uh, it's gotten silly over the last little while. Fanatics now signed license agreement with the NFLPA starting in three years from now. Well, it was starting three years from now. Um, since then, Panini has decided to sue Fanatics because they they were after the uh, the whole law of uh you know taking over the market the exclusivity yeah, monopoly uh, the monopoly that's exactly it so um panini uh sued fanatics it took about a week for the dust to settle then the news broke that fanatics was counter suing panini <laughs> uh that took about i want to say another week or two and then the nfl pa announced that they were terminating their agreement immediately with uh, Panini. So now it's a mess. And I can't even tell you today who, who, who is it fanatics? Is it Panini? Who is it going to be in the future? Is there even going to be football cards next year? Uh, not, all this is in the air right now. So it, it's a big mess because the season is about to start. A lot of the products, for this year are starting to come out. Now, the problem with that is, is that Panini started to put their products out and quickly we noticed 
the top three, four rookies were not there and there was no signatures. And then it was found that, no, they didn't sign with Benini. They signed with Fanatics. So hmm. for the rest of this year, you could be opening um, Panini boxes without your number one, two, three rookie autographs in there, which is a huge, huge problem. And it's going to hurt them a lot. So it's a mess. I, I feel like the, the, the one thing that'll, you know, maybe just maybe help Panini in that case for this year, I'm saying with those rookies is that this isn't supposed to be like a wow hall of fame generational class. So they have that going for them, I guess. Um, but yeah, that sounds like a mess. Um, you know, that fanatics is, uh, also the next, uh, hockey Jersey, right. In the NHL. Yep. So they're, really, I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. They, they are really, really taking over everything. Um, you know, they're, they're fine. They're, they're football stuff in terms of like, I buy a lot of football merch. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's nice. Um, with hockey, man, they, they really, it's like, it's like they put an intern on there and it's like, they don't want to bother with the hockey gear. Cause like their hats, this is a, it's just purely yeah. anecdotal, you know, it's yeah. a, their hats, their t-shirts. It's just so unoriginal. It's so I, compared I, to the I, championship hats from uh, the Super Bowl and the NBA championship to what the NHL got. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. They, um, I heard the, I heard they're going to change it up for the, well, obviously for the NHL jerseys, they're going to have to follow certain protocols and have a, have yeah. a higher standard than you're just, than your replica Jersey. But uh, hopefully that'll keep them in line. But for us as card stores, uh, we're a bit worried because they want to, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of people saying that they're going to kind of try and be the Amazon of the hockey card world. Mm, right. They, they, they could definitely monopoly and like maybe, maybe cut us out a bit, you know, like, where people can buy all their stuff and, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be exclusive to the hobby boxes. Maybe they can buy directly from fanatics and fanatics has their whole, you know, we talked about sports cards breaks while well, you can do fanatic breaks and go on their page. And then it's going to be, you know, bigger, you know, I can't compete with a budget of fanatics mm -hmm. to do breaks right. and people are going to be attracted to that. Um, so the future is, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but they're a huge player. You know what I'll say? Um, give you a little bit of optimism here is that, I don't know. I feel like the sports card crowd, kind of old school. Like they like the trade shows. They like the in-person. They like the show, the showroom feel. You don't get that online. You know, it's, no. it's, it's a lot it's, of people. A lot of people ask me why I have a brick and mortar store and why wouldn't I just be online like everybody else uh, in, in other, in other yeah. professions. And you know what? I, I work every day with the collectors uh, and, and my clients and there's nothing better than walking into a shop, seeing the card physically interacting, going on a Friday afternoon, stopping after work, having a nice long chat about it. We can chat about, who's doing good, who's not, why this is worth this and that. And it, it's just a hot, it's a hobby. The word hobby has to be said over and over again. 
um, the people that try to make a business outside of like a business like myself, just as a sideline. I don't want to say they they ruin it, but at sometimes they take the fun out of it. And yeah. I think it's important that we all we all take a step back and remember that it's a hobby, and we need to love the hobby. Yes, it's gotten expensive. It has. It it, it hurts for sure. But I think there's there's different ways of collecting. You don't have to go after all the big stuff and put yourself in trouble. So you just got to adjust with the times really. Yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, having some fun, let's do it. I, I almost, I almost jumped, uh, jumped the gun there. Let's do it. Talk to me, yeah. talk to me, talk football cards to me because the season is uh, about a week and a half away. Yeah. Just about so, nine days away. Yeah. So football and, uh, and you know what, there might be some questions for you in here. Um, right now there's a few, few teams out there where the starting quarterback is up in the air. Mm -hmm. So this is where you get a lot of chatter between collectors on, am I going to invest on this guy? Is he going to be benched? Is he going to start? Is he going to start one game, blow it? And then the other guy is going to come in. Um, you know, uh, is Trey Lance going to be a superstar with his new team? Is he just going mm -hmm. to back up and you know what what what's all the that's the chatter right now all the new rookies that are that are drafted let's say that the top five quarterbacks are they going to be starters who's going to start who's going to play well do they have a chance of making the playoffs um so it, it's really as as the, the the week goes by this week again i think preseason um regular season starts next week yeah um, next thursday yeah so this next week is going to be all about that. And people want to jump, like not jump the gun, but people want to get it before, before, uh, you know, Richardson goes and wins five in a row, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's fun. It's, it's funny. Um, because I'm even going to look to just cause we were talking, we were talking before, like how there's not real, that generational player in this draft class. Let me let me tell you, and I'm sure you're on top of this because you know you're in the biz. You know who yeah. am I? But man, oh man, like pre-order tons of boxes of NFL cards for next year because Caleb Williams, man, he's the, the for those who don't know, he's the number one uh, the yeah. projected number number one overall pick. He's he like people are comparing comparing him to Patrick Mahomes already. They're saying he's a combination of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. And for all the for all the you know hockey fans that don't watch a lot of football, yeah, that's that's a pretty good company to be uh, you know molded right. into one guy into. Yeah, I already started uh, with some. Uh, I think it was university or college or university uh cards i'm looking to buy some uh some archie manning uh oh, yeah. so i don't know i i just that's manning was always my guy uh as a colts fan and uh so i'm gonna be watching i'm gonna be watching him and seeing how that goes i mean the genes are good there so we'll mm -hmm. see yeah so uh let's uh let's before we wrap it up we got one more thing uh to cover here uh, preseason hockey also just around the corner. Uh, yeah, you know, still a couple of weeks away, but it's never too early. Uh, yeah. I mean, hey, we were doing a we're doing a hockey show in the middle of uh, July just a couple yeah. weeks ago, so yeah. never too early. So tell me, in preseason, you know, obviously there's the extremes of like Connor Bedard, let's say, 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you know, if he goes out in his first preseason game and he, you know, scores eight goals, like that price is uh, going to the moon. Yeah. But what what other effects can uh, preseason hockey have, and what what are some things that people should watch for? Well, line combinations, who they're going to play with, is very important. Or, or people like they like to forecast. Um, to give you an example, uh, and I don't even know where this guy is anymore. A couple mm-hmm. of years ago, uh, a rookie card of uh, Ty Ratty. You remember him? Oh man, oh, I, it's like exactly. I know the name. It's like I know the name, but I could. Yeah. You put a but gun he, to my head. But, I'm taking a one in thirty-two yeah, chance. So anyways, they, they, he was projected to be like he. He ended the season before on a good note, and he was expected to start the season with uh, Connor McDavid and and Drysital. Um, in Edmonton, and it just didn't after about, I don't even know if he started or after five games, it didn't go well, but we just never mm-hmm. heard of the guy and he just kept going down. And now I don't hear of, of him at all. Uh, it's things like that. People project that his card will go up like significantly, but then it can crash. Or you can buy a guy that you, in the back of your mind, you're like, man, this guy is really good. Um, you know, he's going to play in the second line this year, but if there's an injury on the big line, he gets bumped up yeah. to produce. So you gotta, you gotta, you know, a lot like the stock market, you gotta keep, you keep on top of it. You gotta watch for the line combinations. You gotta watch some preseason and note the highlights. You gotta watch, you know, all the good things that are happening. You gotta, you know, it's really paying attention. And I, I can't, I can't say it enough. The best collectors that make that that have the best collections and and if you want to make money, the ones that make the most money are the ones that pay the most attention. If you love the sport, you watch the sport and follow it, you're gonna know it. Just just like winning your fantasy football. If you if you don't follow, you're you're pretty much dead if you don't follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm getting nervous. I got, uh, Oh my God. Is it, did it just start downpouring out here? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm getting nervous. I got three drafts coming up. I got two on the same day. I would get this. I was supposed to have because of, you know, one league is where we're only 10 teams, but everyone's got a co-manager. So you got to, you know, manage 20 people's schedules. Yeah. And then my other league were a 12 man league. Most people have partners. So like call it, uh, you know, at 20, another 20, I basically, the only window that this fit, I had two drafts simultaneously, simultaneously would have had to been on the phone with one, been in the room with another zooming into one draft, uh, other ones on Yahoo. It was just craziness. It ended up getting regulated and, you know, I, we fixed the situation thankfully uh, for my mental health, but uh Yeah. Good luck to everyone out there in their fantasy football. Yeah. So yeah, it's all uh, right. So yeah, just uh, just be- before we end off, uh, any uh, special things going on at the store uh, coming up? Uh, What's in the pipeline? So September thirteenth. So that's like in two weeks. Bowman Chrome Baseball, probably the hottest uh, the hottest uh, release for baseball this year. Bowman Chrome twenty twenty three. As far as hockey goes. It's a bit quieter right now. We yeah. we got our first release of MVP, but that's a lower end one. Uh, so once we get into October, November, that's when we'll get more into the uh, the uh, hockey stuff. 
uh, especially in November, will be the release of season one, uh, series one. Uh, they're telling me that Connor Bedard will be in series two, which will only be in February, but he might have some cards in series one. So to keep, I mean, I will keep everyone posted with checklists as they come out, but the checklists don't usually come out until a few weeks before the release. So it's only speculation for now. If you want the Connor Bedard series two, I really suggest that people jump on the pre-release stuff to save some money and make sure that you get it because when it drops, it's going to be hot and it's going to go fast. Oh, big time. I, uh, I would, I envy the guy who's opening, going to be opening that, you know, bought a pack of cards for uh, 10 bucks, 13 bucks. And he just like swipes away three cards. And in the middle is going to be a Connor, Connor Bedard card. That's going to yeah. be crazy. Tornado yeah. Chris. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. That was the SIG podcast Tuesday edition. I will be back here on Friday night for you. Tony's back tomorrow. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the SIG podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The SIG Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.